Amen. Peace of Christ be with you. Happy Friday. Woo! Hey, notice, this is our, this is our, uh, we only have one more Friday. Because next week is Holy Week. We're off on Friday, and then it's the last week of school. So my friends, we are coming down to it. Tick-tock on the clock. Here we go. It is a Friday. We've got some guests here that are checking out Hope, and we want to welcome you to our campus. We're so excited that you're here. Hey, we also, we also have our president-elect, Matt Skogan, here. Stand up. Stand up. Yeah. Give us just some love. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Hey, two quick notices. Two quick notices. One, uh, tonight at Camp Geneva, we have man camp. That's going on. So, gentlemen, hey, hey, represent, okay? Um, the second is, I don't know if you paid any attention on social media um, recently, but yesterday and today is Give to Hope Day, which is basically a whole institutional-wide encouragement for us to raise money for scholarships, for programs, things that are going to help underwrite your education. And here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. I know that you're all our students right now, and you think, I don't have anything to give. Every one of you I know has a dollar, has a dollar. Take out your phone. Take out your phone. This may be a little money temple. You have a phone. Take it out. I want you to go to dayofgivinghope.edu. You can give to athletics and to natural sciences and to the arts. You can give to campus ministries, right? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, there's like a leaderboard, and we're like at the bottom. We're, we're like losing. Right before I got here, somebody said, I will give $5 for every person who gives a dollar to campus ministry. So if every one of you just gave 50 cents, a dollar, it's not about the money, it's about participation. You can take us from the bottom all the way up to like mid-major. <laughs> would be great. <laughs> but, but, I know you're, you might be thinking, hey, I don't have that to give. That's a scarcity mentality. And in the kingdom of God, we have an abundant mentality. It's not about the money. It's about the giving. And there is a spiritual principle about the joy of giving and about sharing what you have because so much has been shared with us. That's really what this is about. It's not about that. It's about being a people where we give back. Um, and I, I don't like to lose. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of competition, I'd like to introduce our guest uh, this morning in chapel. He is a graduate of Holland Christian High School. He's a graduate of Michigan State. You could say that he's had executive decision-making experience in Washington, D.C. and in Mi Minneapolis right now. Uh, friends, would you please welcome Kirk Cousins to Hope College. Thank you. Thanks, Kirk. Yeah. So friends, I'm just going to ask Kirk some questions um, and invite you to overhear a conversation. And to begin with, Kirk, you've got some experience with Hope College. Your yes. family does. Can you say a little bit about that? Yes. So we moved here in 2001. I was in seventh grade. And so living in Holland on the south side of town, I'm around campus quite you a bit growing up. You were on the south up. side. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm a south sider. Right. Uh, for those of you who are south siders, I am a true south sider. Uh, didn't come to Hope, but my sister did. Uh, she was here from about 2009 to 2014, um, and she just raves about it, raved about her experience, had a phenomenal experience. So uh, my brother went to that rival school in Grand Rapids. Oh. So I kind of straddle in between the two, but uh, my, I used to straddle in between the two, I should say, 
back in 2013, we started having a youth football camp right here on Hope's campus. We're coming up on our seventh year of running that camp. And uh, it's just been a phenomenal experience for us to be able to interact with Hope. And many of our coaches for the camp are current Hope football players. And they've done a phenomenal job. And if I was straddling between the two schools, those guys have converted me. So I'm all hope now. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, so, Kirk, we've got this Give to Hope Day. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we could really use some help. Yeah. Campus Ministries. Yeah. Take us from a ma- mid-major to a major. Mid-major to a major. Um, so, growing up, you moved to Holland when you're, when you're in seventh grade. That's right. And you go to high school here. Um, your father's a pastor. That's right. And so faith has been a big part of your family formation. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about how your faith has helped form you in the world of athletics? Sure. How, did it, how did it form you when you were at college? Sure. And help you navigate some of the, uh, you know, some of the things that as a, as a young adult athlete you have to navigate? Right. Well, I'm a PK, pastor's kid. Uh, and so certainly I grew up in the home, you know, and I'm around it all the time. I came to Saving Faith at a very young age. But with that, uh, I do believe that when you pray that prayer as a seven or eight-year-old, I don't know that you fully understand what it means to walk with the Lord. And you have to continue to grow in that as you get older. And when I was 16, 17 years old, I had a Bible teacher at, at the high school I attended who really challenged me with the verse 1 John 2, 6. And he said, Kirk, those who claim to be in him must walk as Jesus walked. And uh, he said, does your walk look like the rabbis, look like Jesus' walk? And, uh, and he taught us what it meant to be a disciple, a fully devoted follower of Jesus, so that if, if culture goes this way and Jesus went that way, we've got to go that way. And uh, we've got to be okay with being uncomfortable or swimming upstream. And he really challenged me with that, along with my parents challenged me with that, that, Kirk, as you get older, and then once I committed to Michigan State, and it was, okay, now you're going to a large secular university, you better believe culture is going to go this way. This, the the, the river is going to be flowing this way, and you're going to have to be going that way. Uh, are you going to walk as Jesus walked in that environment? And so that was when at you know, probably 16, 17 years old, I put a stake in the ground, and I said, you know, I prayed the prayer, yes, at seven or eight, but I'm going to make a decision now to follow Jesus if it costs me something, mm-hmm. to follow Jesus uh, as a disciple, as a fully devoted follower. And um, if I look different from my teammates, if I stand out, if I'm not popular, if I don't get invited to the event on Saturday night because of it, so be it. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to be weird or I'm going to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. That's not what that means. But I'm going to find a balance there where I'm going to walk with Jesus uh, and serve and love my teammates, and uh, even if it costs me something. And I think as a college student, I think you're faced with that many times for the very first time of, you know, what am I really going to be about? What am I going to really build my life on? And, um, you know, I made that decision at that time to, uh, to build it on the rock. So as you, I mean, as you try to go this way and not this way, what are some practical maybe habits in your life sure. that, help, that help, you know, condition you with the mind of Christ yeah. um, that have made a difference for you? Sure. Well, we have good habits in community. You know, people always ask me, uh, how Christian is the NFL? And uh, what I've learned, whether it was at Michigan State or with the Minnesota Vikings or in other secular environments, is God always provides a remnant. I've never been alone. You know, I've met people who say, I'm all alone in my faith. I usually doubt that. I usually think if you search long enough, you're going to find one or two other people that you can walk arm in arm. And it won't be the majority usually, but you'll be able to find somebody. And and the, the locker room with the Minnesota Vikings is no different. So we have a Prayer time Wednesday morning. Wednesday is kind of the beginning of our work week because we play on usually on Sunday. 
Monday's a recap day. Tuesday's our off day or our weekend, if you will. And then Wednesday starts our next week of preparation. So Wednesday morning, before we start, we come in early. Anybody that wants to join, we have a little prayer time uh, to kick off the week. And so we get a few guys to attend and we pray for our team and for our organization, for our families, that kind of a thing. And then Thursday after practice, we have a team Bible study. So we get together when the day's over in the facility and we meet as a group with the chaplain and we have a little Bible study. Saturday night, we have uh, what we call chapel. Uh, that's usually better attended than the prayer time or the Bible study because the night before a game, guys are pretty nervous and they're looking for any help they can get. Uh, they're looking for a higher power. So chapel on Saturday night is pretty much our church service, uh, probably similar to your Sunday nights here at, at, at the chapel. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't get to go to church on Sunday mornings like I used to growing up. And so that's my chance to, uh, to, to interact with, you know, hear teaching and, and, and talk to other believers. And then uh, Sunday morning, kind of a unique thing that many people don't realize is if we have a noon game on Central Time, so a one o'clock game Eastern Time, uh, we'll warm up, go back inside with about 15 minutes to go before kickoff. We'll be in all of our pads and everything. And it's a tradition with the Redskins when I play there. It's a tradition with the Vikings playing, playing here. Um, and, he, and we'd say uh, prayer in the shower. And we'd go walk to the corner of the locker room and have prayer time in the shower. And the reason we do it in the shower is because it's just kind of well, out of the way. Explain that to me. Yeah. So, so yeah. I was speaking one time and I was sharing that we do this and I didn't explain that we were coming back from warm-ups or that we had all of our pads on and I just said, yeah, we have prayer time in the shower. Yeah. And everybody looked at me kind of funny and I didn't realize <laughs> I had omitted the fact that, no, we're in our full gear and we're about to go play. So uh, we go over the shower and it's amazing. Of 53 players on the team, you probably get 35 guys. Hmm who come to that area to pray because, as they say, there are no atheists in foxholes. And uh, when you're about to go out and play a game in front of national TV, uh, again, you're going to take all the help you can get. And so it's pretty cool. They just stand there, hold hands. Um, you know, usually one of the guys who's a, you know, a little further along in their faith yeah. will share uh, a verse or a thought or something comforting from the Psalms. And then we'll just have a quick prayer of protection, that God would be glorified, that we'd use our talents uh, to the best of our ability. And, uh, and it's just another chance to interact. And so those interactions, I think, are very powerful. And then obviously, uh, on my own, you have your quiet time before I go to work every morning where I read Scripture and pray. Uh, and I do think your mind has to be in Scripture in order to walk with the Lord. You have to be invested in Scripture and in prayer and practicing those spiritual disciplines. Um, if you expect to walk with the Lord and not be in His Word and thinking on His Word, it, it's going to be a, a tough task. Um, I mean, we, one of the, I'd love for you to speak to this, uh, the issue of identity. I mean, so, it's, it's, so we pray for our students and uh, so much of our culture is a meritocracy. We're defined by what we do, oh, no. what we make, how, what other people think about us. But as, um, as a disciple of Jesus where your identity is relocated in Christ, mm. how has that identity helped help you navigate a world where so many people are mapping on certain assumptions of an identity because you play in the NFL? Yeah. And how does that identity in Christ shape you, shape you? I had to be confronted with that issue. Uh, I got married in the summer of 2014. And in the fall of 2014, I was a backup quarterback expecting to back up that season. Our starting quarterback dislocated his ankle and was out for much of the year. And so I came in and played. And I didn't play well. Uh, every time I dropped back, it felt like I was going to throw another interception. And after about four or five games of those interceptions, uh, the coach had seen enough and he benched me and uh, brought in the, the, what was the third string quarterback came into play. And so I was on the bench and watching uh, uh, him play. And then when the starter got healthy, watching him play. And I just remember uh, wrestling with that. It, it, it bothered me to be on the bench more than it should have. And my wife, you know, brought up, Kirk, I, I think you need to look at where's your identity? You know, you say that you walk with Jesus, yes, but 
you know, football's gone for the most part pretty well for you. And now suddenly you're on the bench and you're being told you're not good enough and this is kind of rocking your world. And so in 2014, I had to come face to face with that, that uh, uh, when football was kind of pulled out from under me, how do I deal with that? And while it didn't hurt, uh, or I'm sorry, it did hurt, uh, in the long run, it actually was a great help uh, to me to grow in that area. So I just think about Colossians 3.23, you know, going back to scripture, whatever you do, including football, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And so you go back to that whole audience of one concept as an athlete, you're not out there playing for yourself or the crowd or your family or people's expectations. It's really to glorify God with the gifts he's given you, just like anybody else in any other profession or, or, or opportunity that they have. And so uh, that can be very difficult because we're broken people and we're, our, our flesh wants to uh, play for the external factors that can, that can benefit us. But I have to constantly be reminded of the fact that my identity is in Christ. Win or lose, uh, my life is built on the rock. And I remember throwing an interception once in a game at Notre Dame in college in 2009. And yeah, I, I remember I, that. <laughs> <laughs> the interceptions tend to stick with you more than the touchdown passes. But uh, I, it was last play of the game. You know, uh, uh, we probably should have scored. And I ended, instead threw an interception, got hit, fall down, and blinded to see. You know, I don't know what happens. But I hear the Notre Dame crowd rise to their feet in what sounds like, you know, an, you know loud, loud noise, 100 decibels. And I realized, well, I probably just threw an interception. And uh, I get up, and there's grass in my helmet, and I'm pulling the grass out of my face mask, walking off to a deafening sound of, of 80,000 people cheering my failure. And I remember, I remember the thought as I'm walking to now a sideline of teammates who I just let down and basically made the mistake that cost all those people an opportunity to win at Notre Dame. I remember thinking, a thought went through my mind, after the thought of this really sucks, the thought was... Thank you, God, that my life is not built on football. Because my life is built on football, the whole thing just crumbled. It's a pretty crappy way to live life. But uh, it isn't. It's built on you, Lord, and you have a plan, and you're going to use this for my good and your glory, and you're not going to waste this. This isn't going to happen for no reason. And, uh, and so there was a peace there, an inner peace that uh, comes with walking with Christ. And so that's just a moment of maybe an identity thing where you really are, are freed then to fail. You're freed to have those experiences because you know that ultimately God will use it for your good and his glory. Uh, one last two-part question. One is, uh, how can we be praying for you? And as you, as you enter into a, a year and the pressures you're, um, you're stepping into and vis visibility, how can we pray for you? And secondly, um, what would you like to pray for for these students? Um, as they begin to launch into summer, into their lives and professions and things like that? Well, for me, um, you know, I just had a, a second boy. We have two boys. We have an 18-month-old mm. Cooper, and we have a one-month-old Turner. Oh. And uh, my wife, Julie, is back in Atlanta with her family right now, taking care of them while I'm kind of traveling around. And, uh, you know, I, my, my first thoughts are for them, you know, that you'd pray for, for my wife, for, for, for energy and strength as she nurtures the, the, the two young boys. And then for those boys, that they would grow to be uh, men of God and, and men who walk with God. And then, um, you know, I, I would just pray that uh, or ask that you would pray that um, as you see us on TV, as you hear maybe our name come across the ticker on, on the TV, that uh, uh, you just pray that the Lord would continue to grow our platform. And we do believe that uh, he has answered that prayer for years now, done far more, as Ephesians 3.20 says, that he has done far more than we could ever have asked or imagined or, or prayed for, um, but that he would continue to do that uh, such that we can be a great witness for him and, and have an impact. And so I have a dream of 
standing there on a, on a February Sunday and holding up a Super Bowl trophy and, uh, and then being able to, to use that opportunity to then make Christ famous even more than what I could do right now. And, uh, and so I, I asked for that. And with that comes, you know, protection and all the other things that it would take to get there. And then, you know, I've been a college student. And so I, I speak to many audiences where I, I say, you know, I can't, I can't say that I've sat where you sat. And yet when I speak to a group of college students, I can say I've, I've sat where, where you now sit. And um, uh, I would just challenge you to put that stake in the ground and say, I'm going to walk with, with God even if it costs me something. I'm going to commit time in my day to pray, to be in Scripture, to find com a community of believers, uh, even when I may leave this campus and life takes me other places. And then, you know, one thing I, I dealt with quite a bit and still do, but, but dealt with quite a bit in college was just a worry and anxiety about the future. I felt like the decisions I made from 16 to 26 between my uh, uh, career, my degree, uh, who, I, who I dated, who I ended up marrying, that that was going to basically affect the trajectory of my entire life. And not to scare you, but it, it kind of does. Um, <laughs> and so with a result, with, a result of that is there's some worry and some anxiety. And I would just say, again, going back to scripture, the Lord doesn't want you to worry about that. He's in control. He'll handle it. And I look back on so many times where I was spinning my wheels trying to find the right spouse and trying to uh, pick the right career. And yet, when I ended up with the right career, the right degree, and, and, and the spouse, the right spouse, I realized it was the Lord orchestrating events that I wasn't even trying to have happen, and they fall into my lap. And so uh, we just have to trust that the Lord will provide, that he will be sovereign, and that you exercise faith in that way to say, God, uh, uh, I trust you. I put my life in your hands. You will lead and guide. You will part the Red Sea for me. I trust you to, to bring a deliverance and an answer. And, and do not live with that worry or that anxiety that can so often uh, come over you as you're trying to make those, those bigger life decisions. Kirk, thanks for being with us today. Would you give him a hand for being here? Thank you. Friends, Thank you. hey. It's a big weekend. Um, you're the people of hope. Live in that name. Live in that virtue. Live in the faith of a God who loves you. Go in peace, friends.